Welcome to Black Voices in Distilling, brought to you by American Distilling Institute, the voice of craft distilling, in collaboration with Business and Bourbon. Do better business through building deeper relationships. This episode's guest is Lee Hedgman of The Barrel B. Let's get it started. Hey, all, I want to welcome you back to Black Voices in Distilling. My name is Ronnell Richards, and I am your host. I am the founder of Business and Bourbon. And again, just so privileged to be part of this great project sponsored by the American Distilling Institute, where we get to elevate some voices and folks that are doing some tremendous work out there in the craft, distilling, and spirits industries. Today, I, I have to be honest with you guys, I'm fanboying a little bit because I was really excited to sit down and, and talk with our guest today. Um, Lee Hedgman, how are you doing, Lee? I'm good. I'm tired. You t- <laughs> hey, you're working. You, you, I am. Today I am. You, you so I understand you're brewing today, brewing. right? I am brewing today. So. So, uh, so, so that, what is that, what is that like for you? Those are, those are long days. Those are, uh. So, um, technically, I'm re- <laughs> I've never been retired from it. I um, was a, originally a brewer. That was my first. Uh, that was my first thing I did was a brewing. So, I started a brew fest with a bunch of friends like six or seven years ago, and um, every year I would brew a beer for it. And yeah. last year, the last time, I said, "Oh, I'm not doing it again. I'm retired from this one." And then I got requested to make the same beer that I had made before as a special to make, to bring it back. And so yeah. I am brewing that today. Um, is that the glitter beer? That is the glitter beer. I am super intrigued. And, and so here, here's the thing. I am also, I'm a, I'm a beer guy. A lot of people don't know that. That was, that was my love, much like you. That was my love before whiskey. So I've been really excited to sit down and talk to you about your story, about your journey, how you got to this point. And um, and and as I'm doing my background, I'm like, oh, my God, she is so interesting. So if you wouldn't mind, share with us a little bit of how you got to this point and what you're doing today. And we'll talk about what you're doing today. But like, where did this journey start from you in brewing and, and spirits? So this started for me. Gosh, I have to say uh, I was in my late 20s and I was learning how to homebrew. And when you learn how to homebrew, it's basically you standing around drinking while the person who actually homebrews does all the work and you go ooh and ah. So I did that for a number of years, but I really didn't get into it into it until I was writing my dissertation um, in grad school. And I needed a hobby, something to kind of uh, take my mind off of the stress. Um, yeah. I could only play so many video games. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so I was like, okay. So I started uh, making uh, mead and wine, actually. And then I moved to making beer because I was waiting for all my mead and wine to age out so I could drink it. So I needed something I could drink fast. So that's yeah. actually how I started making beer. And the funny thing was, was that I would always take it to these meetings with my advisor and with my committees until finally they were like, we love that you're bringing us bottles of wine and a six pack. Can you bring us a chapter next time? Like that sounds like that was where we got to at that point. Uh-huh. And I moved back to Portland, Oregon, which is where I'm from, to teach and to finish writing my disc. And um, I decided about, I decided, I knew when I moved back that I didn't want 
to do it, but I gave it another two years of teaching mm -hmm. before I, at the same time, I was actively looking for brewing jobs. Um, and I laughingly say in Portland, I was like the last person to get a job where I walked into a brewery and I said, oh, I'll wash kegs, yeah. I'll, do, I'll volunteer. Like after me, I said, nobody, they're not doing any more volunteers uh -huh. because of liability for insurance. I don't know if that was directly related to me. I've never gotten to an accident <laughs> <laughs> volunteering, but I, um, that's how I got my start. What, really if you don't like, what, what is the Pink Boots Society? What is that? The, the Pink Boots Society is the professional organization of women, uh, was a professional organization of women in the craft beverage, craft brewing industry. Okay. Um, we've since opened it up, the membership to cider and um, distilling, because there are a lot of distilleries that have moved, breweries that have moved into actually distilling too. And there are a lot of people who are like, I, I got thrown into this and I don't know. So they're still brewers, but there are places of doing it. So okay. basically it's our own, it's a women's uh, professional organization. Cool. So <laughs> while at McMinimums, um, I understand that you, you've, uh, you've been pretty uh, creative in some of the, the beers that you, you've brewed. I'd like to know a little bit about some of those. What are some that you're like, that you're maybe the most proud of? Um, I am most proud of making beers that taste like foods. Mm. So, I uh, I love the idea of deconstructing. It's not just for people who cook. It's not just mm -hmm. for fancy chefs, um, but I love the idea of taking a concept of a food and giving those flavors into a beer. Yeah. And I'm most known for doing um, dessert beers that aren't sweet. Ah. So I did a Neapolitan ice cream one. <laughs> yeah, I'm so intrigued by that. So that one was, and then I, and my other favorite one was a red velvet cake I did. And so, I love the idea of getting chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry and flavors into something. So you had to balance it at balance it so well that every sip, if you set it in your mouth long enough, all of those flavors and aromas would show up in there. Yeah. What do you do to, to, to make that happen? Like what uh, you, you can do manipulation in mashes. Uh, so for like chocolate, chocolate's easy. We were doing a stout. So yeah. it was just a matter of how much chocolate do we want to have in there? Do we want the chocolate to be a light chocolate? Uh, where do you put it in there? And then the strawberries were like, we're putting actual strawberries. And then for the vanilla, we actually had to make an extract yeah. um, of vanilla so that we could get those flavors in um, without using, because I don't like to use any imitation stuff if I don't have to. Yeah. And so we did all of that. The fun part for the red velvet cake was it had to be a light enough brown that you looked that when you when we added beet powder, uh, it would make it that give it that redness that's mm -hmm. there. So so where tell me about your where are you distilling now? Tell me about your business. What are you what are you involved in? Oh, so in twenty, I love this part of it. In twenty now now limit it and leave. I got I need you to limit it to seven jobs. Seven jobs. I don't need all ten. I know you got <laughs> ten, two. but you just two. <laughs> So I was at McMinimins for about four or five years, and then I went to Freeland. Um, <clears throat> and if, for folks who don't know, it's Freeland Spirits is a woman-owned and operated distillery here in Portland, Oregon. Um, less than, and it's been around, this started in 2017. I met Molly, who is our master distiller. Um, gosh, where were we? We were at an event, and we ran to them, and we just, we hit it off. And they said, you should come and work for us. And I said, ooh, I really like where I'm at. And then a year went by and I was like, you know, I had started a business 
So I love distilled spirits and I'm around barrels constantly. And I'm also a mead maker for a number of years ago um, as a hobbyist. And I, I love honey. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a company, I started a company where I barrel age honey in used whiskey, rums, distilled spirits barrels uh, from local distilleries. And I work with local apiaries. So I was like, all right, I wanted to kind of focus on that. And I also wanted to do something different. I had a lot more freedom at Freeland. Um, so they made me a wonderful offer of the freedom to do run my business um, and not have it be a conflict, mm -hmm. but also work with them and develop new products. And so um, I'm super creative and I love the idea of how to kind of take that to the next level. And when I started there, we were just canned cocktails, hadn't quite made it yeah. big, like hadn't made that leap in the same way on the West Coast as it did on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, and so, cause I've been, I go to the East Coast every year to visit um, family and my in-laws. And so they were like, we're gonna put out this new canned cocktail. And I spent the last 10 years as a brewer and going, oh, okay. And so it's it's very different, but if yeah. you're familiar with the process, um, the tanks and the equipment, it wasn't difficult to figure out. And it was something I already done. Um, so I allowed me to kind of move into doing really fun things with Freeland. So Lee, why is that important to you? Like sustainability and all that, why does that matter to you? Because I know that that's something that w some folks it's very important to, and then others, yeah, it's kind of important, but it seems to be like something that's kind of being used as more of a marketing thing than anything. Like, why does that matter to you guys? It matters in a lot of ways. Um, being able to, the way our food tastes, the terroir matters. It doesn't matter just for wine. I have to tell people because I deal with honey. Um, honey, as like with everything that grows around you, it's unique to the place it is. Mm -hmm. And... Um, for example, we both, both coasts grow buckwheat, um, but East Coast buckwheat is very different than West Coast. But also, even if you're going to taste them uh, from like North and South, the honey bees collect. And so it's basically a snapshot of taste and time in a beautiful like amber liquid. And so you can taste the difference mm. of a place and time in food. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that's really important about going for local is the fact that we recognize these flavors as being home and we want to share that with other people. Mm. That and the fact that we can get things a little quicker if you make a phone call and be like, I'm going to be there in an hour. Can I get a pallet? I got a truck. Yeah. So that's nice. So like, you're not, you're saving on gas, you know, because they're making all these multiple stops. They're not driving forever. I mean, they have multiple customers, you know, it's not, you're not paying all those charges. You're not doing burning all the fossil fuels. Um, and it's grown there and people want to know where their food is coming from. You know, diversity, equity and, and inclusion. And, and, you know, what does that mean to you? And what does that mean to you for this industry? Is it, is it important to you? And if so, why, or why do you think it should matter to, to those out, to others out there? I think it matters <clears throat> in a way that people don't understand, people don't understand how much their lived experience affects their, how they tasting, what they're exposed to. And 
part of the fact that people don't recognize that something is possible until they see somebody else doing it. It's really hard for people to be a front runner. Um, and people don't realize when you're a front runner, you often don't know you're a front runner because there's True. nobody next to you. Yeah. And it's not until you look behind you and people see you and they're ready to catch up that you were there. And it's, I didn't see anybody who looked like me in the brewing industry. Um, I still see very people who look like me. Um, I see way more women and that is wonderful, but I see very few um, women of color, but it's changing and I like that. But one of the reasons that I do it and I do interviews like this or I do anything is the fact that when I was teaching, I was also teaching a lot of first generation college students who probably in the first time in their entire life um, saw somebody with a higher degree standing in front of the classroom teaching them and they thought, oh, I didn't even know that was possible until now. And that's a really powerful thing to have people realize that that's a whole nother window or door that's been opened up. It's why I always volunteered to do brew, homebrew demonstrations. I can't tell you how many times over the last 10 years I've been in events and people have come up to our, you know, when I was with my homebrew club, they would come up to us because they saw me standing there. And A, they wanted to know why, and B, they wanted to talk to me, and then they were like, I've always had this interest, but I didn't know that I could do it. Yeah. I wondered if you might, might speak for just a moment on your <laughs> the, the importance of, of representation, right? Yes. Um, because that's what it's really about when we do things like Shebrew. Can, can you speak to that and your opinion on, on the importance of it? Um, I, the importance of it is, here's the, when we, I've always entered competitions. And because they're entered blind, um, you know, nobody knows who you are. But for Shebrew, we specifically wanted women who were like, maybe we they just been brewing with a spouse on their own. And they're like, I didn't know I was good enough. And so they were like, this is a competition that feels like it's going to be safer because they're like, well, I'm entering with everybody else and we'll see what kind of feedback we're going to get. And the adage being that, you know, this is this, you probably heard this, like people of color, um, women, we have to be at a hundred, we're at 99% before we do anything so that nobody can say that we weren't well prepared. Whereas other folks may get to 60% completely unqualified and have the absolute um, kind of like, they're just, they're like, we're going to do this. And I think that having something that's just single sex, when people go, well, what about this? What about me? And I was like, I don't know, find me a competition where you can enter. Is this, there's one competition that is, just says only for um, women identify women. And I was like, out of how many other competitions? And this is the one that you're not in. Like, sometimes everybody doesn't have to be in the room and people have to be okay with that. Where do you see kind of like the immediate future of this industry? Anything in specific, specifically you think, hey, look, this is something that people should be taking a look at or this is something people should be backing off of. What's your opinion? I, with the beginning of the pandemic that happened, that we're still in, um, what I saw and what I noticed was people's willingness to buy closer to home hmm. and be 
what can they get around them um, that they couldn't be that they didn't think about before because we have so many brands and things are coming in from all over and the ability to be able to be like well you know breweries were like hey we'll deliver to your house distilleries were like we will deliver you know cocktails we'll do all these things you get this outside experience inside your house and it's easier to do when people were looking at what was closer to home and so definitely finding even the big brands are making things as central or as um what's the word i'm looking for they're targeting people's need to be closer to home and to support mm-hmm. local and that's i've seen in the last two years a lot more of folks wanting to support what's around them if you were able to you know kind of go back in time a little bit and 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 talk to yourself or <laughs> someone that's coming into the industry right now is there any piece of advice you'd give to this, you, you give to either yourself or someone that's about to get into this industry that would help kind of fast track their success? Yes. Um, know as much as you can um, so that you're asking the right kinds of questions. Mm. If you have an interest in something now, a lot of things you can do on your own at home with mm. really low products. So that when you go in and you like, this is really what I want to do, you can ask the kinds of questions that um, don't leave the other person feeling like they have to teach you everything from the ground up. Mm. Um, And as much as we want to, if you don't know what barley looks like, but you know you want to be a brewer, you probably should at least know where your local homebrew shop is. If you want to be a distiller, um, but you, you know, you've got to know all those basic things. Like you have to know like, oh, okay. All their books out there, their TV shows. Yeah. Um, there are things that can kind of help give you a leg up so that when you go in, you're going in with at least something that shows that I know I'm passionate about this and I've made the first steps. Mm-hmm. I just need some help kind of getting to the next level. That for me feels like um, shows a level of commitment. As we're, we're closing, how can people get in touch with you? Where's the best way that, you know, where people can find you, talk to you, reach out to you? Uh, several ways. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Okay. Um, I'm pretty funny. What's your handle? The Barreled Bee. The Barreled Bee. Got yes. it. Guys, uh, write that down, The Barreled <laughs> Bee. And Lisa, she's funny, so... I hold hold her to that. Yes, and then you can also find me. You can also find me on Freeland Spirits uh, on our website. Um, you can just email us there, and they always can get a hold of me. Uh, I'm pretty easy to be found, and I honestly will just I will respond uh, because I think it's important if people take the effort to reach out. It's the least I can do is to respond in any way I can. Lee, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank um, you. Uh, again, shout out to to American Distilling Institute for for allowing us this platform to elevate these wonderful professionals likely that are doing great work out there. And uh, make sure that you guys come see us at the conference this year. Oh, I will be yes. there. Probably. Are you going? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I'll be there. We'll have a booth, and 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 uh, I'm I'm going to make sure that. 
I do my best to, to make sure that everyone that was part of our program is, is, is there. And when you guys see them, make sure you say hi and say, I saw you. <laughs> All right, Lee, thank you again. And thank I look forward you. to seeing you soon. Okay.